Good morning, everybody. Boy, that's got a week. Good morning. Okay, that's better. I love being with you guys. I love being in worship, and I love all the things that are happening this time of year. So it's lots of exciting things. I, um, you know, my grandson Caleb was one of those in the adoption video, so I was a mess. That's why I intentionally did not come up after that, because it took me five minutes just to get my nose clean before I could come up here. And I really encourage you to go uh, to our website and to look at all the stories, and they're full, uh, full length. It's quite amazing. Well, this morning we're in um, our series, The Six Dumbest Things I Learned in Church. And, uh, you know, years and years ago, in fact, it seems like a thousand years ago, I worked um, for a grocery store. I stocked shelves. I was uh, working there. So I went to college. And one of the guys I worked with was extremely smart, uh, quite the theologian. He was going to college as well. I was in junior college. He was in seminary working on his doctorate. And uh, because I was a Christ follower and thought I knew a lot more than I did, and he was very smart uh, and, and thought he knew a lot more than he did, we would get in these arguments, these heated debates, especially at break time. Uh, we would argue about all sorts of biblical issues and biblical text, and sometimes uh, we'd end up working in uh, different aisles, but right next to each other, and the argument would continue across the room as we'd be you know, debating the, the issues out loud. And the thing that was unfortunate about that is that sometimes it got really ugly, I know you shocked that Christians would ever treat each other poorly. That was a joke. But, but we, got, we got pretty ugly. We got fairly um, mean sometimes about it. And in our passion for our particular pet peeves and our perspectives, we treated each other quite poorly. And what's really sad about that is that we did that with all these other guys on our, our crew watching us, listening to us, observing this, and occasionally chiming in. But more often than not, probably just shaking their heads in unbelief. And we did not treat each other as brothers in Christ. We treated each other more as enemies than as the brothers we were. And here's what we both blew. The first thing we made, we, mistake we made was that we made being right more important than being relational. And that's never a good idea. And we made being right, you know, the thing. And so we would argue our point and completely destroyed our relationship with each other in the process. And the second thing we did wrong is that we made our interpretation and our knowledge of the Word of God more important than practicing what it taught the Bible teaches that we're to walk in unity, to love one another, to be humble and gentle, and that we did not treat each other that way at all. Since then, I've learned something. It's the point in your outline today, if you're taking notes, that it doesn't really matter what you know if what you know doesn't affect the way you live. It doesn't really matter what you know if what you know does not affect, change, transform the way you live. And honestly, I wish I'd learned that a lot earlier in my life. I want to read you a passage from Luke chapter 6. That emphasizes obedience and action versus, versus just hearing and knowing more. Luke chapter 6, I'm going to pick it up in verse 46. Jesus is speaking. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You say I'm in charge. You give me that title, but you don't obey. You don't do what I teach. You don't follow my teachings. Verse 47, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And he's going to use an example here, a metaphor. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came and the turret struck that house, but could not shake it, it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck, the storm came, that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, in the story here, the illustration Jesus is using, you could assume that both houses were basically the same. That from the ground up, they probably looked exactly the same. The problem is the foundation. The problem is what they were built upon. 
And this passage is, uh, follows this great sermon that Jesus teaches. You can read it in the first part of Luke chapter 6 where he addresses issues like loving our enemies. Radical concept for the, those that heard it in that day just as it is for us. He taught about not judging others. And he did this amazing, incredibly powerful and clear message, this radical message. But at the conclusion of this great message, he made one thing very clear. And it was this, that his teaching isn't intended to just make you smarter. It's not intended to just give you knowledge, but to change the way you live. Jesus was saying, I want you to put my words into practice. I want you to practice what I'm teaching you. I believe with all my heart that God is not opposed to knowledge. Knowledge is critical to our growth. And you'll hear more about that as we walk through this today. But I also believe this, that knowledge is not the end game. Knowledge is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is transformation. God wants to transform us into the image of his son. And so I'm going to address something today um, that I, I learned as a child, and it's the, this whole thing about expository teaching. Now, if you're new to Christianity, the term expository preaching may not mean anything to you at all. But hang around long enough, and you'll find that it's a hot button among some Christians. And there is a lot of debate about that, books written about it, and quite a bit of conflict over this issue. For those of you that are familiar with this term, let me say clearly, before we go any further, because I want you to get this. I don't believe that expository preaching is wrong. But I do believe that the way we learn is not as important as what we learn and what we do with what we learn. And again, we'll expand that more in a moment. It's not about how, it's about what and what we do with it. Well, let me make sure that we're all on the same page. So let me briefly define uh, the terms, expository preaching and topical preaching. And I want to explain why this would even matter to you. Some of you are thinking right now, this is going to be really boring today. And uh, I don't care. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I don't even get what expository sounds like, suppository. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't care. And uh, I'm going to help you understand what these things are and why we should care about this issue. First definition, expository teaching concentrates on a specific text. It focuses on one passage in the Bible and attempts to explain the exact meaning of the topics or principles taught in that text in light of the context and the historical setting. Mouthful, what am I saying there? It's where we land on a passage. Let's say 1 Corinthians 13, which deals with a lot about love. And we, we, we go there, we walk through that passage verse by verse. Uh, they would unpack perhaps the, the original language. They would talk about the historical context that it was written to a church in Corinth and what that church was struggling with. It may use the context, what's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, what Paul deals with in 1 Corinthians 14. And, and it would look at the context, the history, and the meaning and attempt to give you pull principles or truths out of a particular text. And it focuses on a passage, on a text. Some great men and women of God, great men and women, men and women that I highly respect, believe that expository preaching is the only and the best way to present the word of God. And many, many conservative churches would contend that that's the only way to approach the word, especially in a gathering like this. The other definition I want to give you is a term called topical teaching. And topical teaching concentrates on a specific topic. Therein, the word topical. It focuses on a topic, also in light of the context and the historical setting, and it references multiple texts in the Bible related to that particular subject. So again, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, if you took a textual approach, looked at the, the, the passage, you would draw certainly some truths about love from there. Topical would say, well, we're going to take a look at the topic of love, 
but it would include 1 Corinthians 13, but maybe more. Maybe Ephesians 4, where Paul says, speak the truth in love. Maybe uh, 1 John 4, where, where John says that, that we are able love, we know love, because God first loved us. Maybe 1 Peter 4, uh, where Peter says, uh, love covers a multitude of sins. So we would look at multiple texts, multiple passages, again, focused on a topic. Here at this point, we typically, on a Sunday morning, Take a topical teaching approach to our services. If you've been here longer than a week, you've already figured that out. And that being said, let me say it again, because I really don't want any emails about this. That being said, I don't think one is right and one is wrong. In fact, I don't think it has to be an either or. I think it can be a both and. And there are many things that we provide here, even at East Point. The Matthew journey going on right now in the Acoustic Cafe is an expository approach to the book of Matthew that goes very deep into that. And we have that available. But I don't think it, again, is an issue of right and wrong. It's just a different approach to things. Well, what's the big deal? Again, I told you I wanted to explain why. Why would I cover this? Why would I throw this in a message called one of the dumbest things I've ever learned in church? That expository teaching is deeper teaching. Well, let me give you a couple of things to think about. Number one in your outline. It is a myth. That expository teaching is always better and more faithful to the biblical text. Simply not true. It's a myth, and I'll explain why. Remember, to begin with, I've defined expository preaching as teaching that concentrates on a specific text and attempts to explain the exact meaning of the topics or principles taught in that text. And so it's an attempt to pull out of a text what's taught there. Here's the challenge, guys. Listen, let's just deal with this. Let's be real and honest. The problem is we all filter a text through a grid that is seriously affected by our background, by our experiences, by the teaching we grew up with. And if you didn't grow up in church, then it's even your, your, your grid is influenced by the fact that you don't have a church background. No matter what we do when we come to the Scriptures, every one of us being humans with experience, with past teaching, with backgrounds, with understanding that we've gained from others or other books or other people, we come with this grid that the, the text is filtered through. I grew up in a church that was very, very conservative. Women did not wear pants in that church. You wore a dress. Women did not wear makeup or jewelry in that church. It was, it was forbidden. You didn't, didn't go there. It was absolutely wrong in their, their world. In that church, you didn't drink any alcohol whatsoever. In fact, I'm not sure they would use NyQuil. You just wouldn't go there. Completely anti, you know, opposed to any form or use of alcohol whatsoever. Now, of course... The Bible is opposed to you know, alcoholism or, or abuse in anything, including alcohol. But the simple fact of the matter is there's not one place in the Bible where it says drinking alcohol is a sin. And, need I point out, that Jesus drank wine. We know that from his experience, that he was accused of even being a wine bibber, that he was accused of perhaps even using more wine than he ought to. Jesus himself was. And so, but their, their filter... Their experience, their interpretation, their, their background brought them to a place when they would read passage about holiness in the scriptures, and yes, we are called to holiness. They would take that too. And by the way, that means don't drink. Don't have any alcohol whatsoever. And ladies, don't wear, you know, um, don't wear alcohol. Don't wear, yeah, don't wear makeup or jewelry or pants. And so it's, again, we'd like to think that we are objectively approaching the scriptures with a clear, unbiased, historical, critical method of study. But it's simply just not the case. Every one of us in this room and everybody watching online right now, we are the product of our past and present experiences and our training. And by and large, that's okay. I don't say that there's anything wrong with that. 
You are the product. You, it is what it is. You are who you are based on what you've grown. But it's when we develop attitudes and we get ugly with each other that I think that's when we have a problem. Let me just point out, again, let's just be honest. There are many things clearly and absolutely taught in the scriptures. Clearly taught that in the word of God that all Christ-loving, Bible-believing Christians would say, yep, they would say, there was, would be absolute agreement on it. Like, love God. Not one Christ follower who believes in the Bible as the word of God would, would argue that. Love God, love people. They would say, yep, the Bible's clear. Don't lie, don't steal, don't commit fornication, don't commit adultery. Those are things that are absolutely and very, very clearly taught in the scriptures. And, and again, not a lot of grid there. We just get it, we believe it, we accept it. But guys, there are a lot of other things. And I, I'm not afraid to say this and admit this. You think, you know, you Christians are always so dogmatic. Watch There are a lot of other things that are not as clearly taught in the scriptures. I've been studying the Bible for 35 years. And I don't mean just digging a pothole once in a while, digging wells and, 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 and studying it. And, be, and I'm a student of the word. And I'm here to tell you, I'm still trying to figure out the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God versus the free will of man, I've got an opinion, I've got a, a belief, I've taught on it here. But I'm not going to go nose to nose and fist to fist with somebody over my particular belief on that because there's some things that I don't think on this side of eternity we're going to get. Here's another one, another really favorite hot button for a lot of people, and one that this guy Clarence and I at, at the Alpha Beta years ago used to argue about, the end times. Anybody ever argued about the end times? Come on, own it. Yeah! And we, 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 we'll listen to some guy, and we, he will get his charts out and his stuff out and all the things that he pulls from the Word, and he will say, this is, the, this is what is happening. And some guys foolishly even pick a date. Big mistake. But anyhow, we'll argue, and we'll go there, and, and there's, all, there's all these opinions out there about this issue. And here's the deal. You know when we're going to know what really happens in the end? At the end. Yeah, when it happens, because there's, there, it's not as clearly taught in the Word. The truth is we have hundreds, in fact, thousands of commentaries on the Bible that present numerous options for interpreting many verses in the Bible. And again, not the non-negotiable stuff, not the critical stuff. Jesus is Lord, the Son of God. Those are not negotiable. But there are a whole lot of things that are up for grabs. And so the myth that expository preaching is more faithful to the text always is simply not true. Because there's plenty of room for all kinds of human inter interpretation, even when you take an expository approach. We have grids. And that's why I think it's a myth that it's always deeper, always better, always more accurate. Here's a couple of other things to consider, just to ruffle a few more feathers. Um, there's not one, listen, there's not one legitimate example of expository teaching or preaching in the Bible. Did you know that? Not one. In fact, not one place in the scriptures where we're instructed or commanded to teach verse by verse. Not one. Ironically, the very people who commend expository teaching as the only way or the more biblical way or the more accurate way to teach the Word of God, and they would condemn, and many of them do, they condemn topical teaching, they can't find even one place in the Bible to support their position. I think that's ironic, that they would commend one way and say it's the only way and, and bash churches like ours and yet they can't find one example of what they believe in the Scriptures. And just to take it one more step, uh, have you read the Gospels? Jesus taught topically. Hello. Sermon on the Mount. Go there. Read it. He taught topically. Paul, who wrote nearly half the New Testament, brilliant theologian. I mean, he would, he would rock anybody, any you know, doctorates, and people study him to get their, their, their MDivs and all sorts of things. He taught topically. 
Read the book of Romans. He didn't take us through the book of Isaiah verse by verse. He taught topically even in the book of Romans. I had a guy come to me after service a few years ago here at East Point. And he told me, he said, you know, Carrie, one of the things I just love about East Point is that I, I grew up in church, more an occasional attender, not a regular attender. So I went to I was about 14 or 15, and one of the reasons why I left is because I never got it. I never understood what they were saying, and it never made sense to me what I was supposed to do with it. It's one of the things I love about East Point. And not, I'm not the only teacher here, so it wasn't just praising me. I love about East Point is that I understand the Bible, and I know what I'm, I'm supposed to do. One of the things we work hard at is to answer the so what. What do I do with this when it's all said and done? Listen, let me say it again one more time. There is a place for verse-by-verse exposition of the Scriptures. There is. But it is not without the potential for error or necessarily any deeper or any better just because we're landing on a text rather than a topic. In fact, I would go as far to say I think we have the potential for looking and understanding a topic better when we look at the broader scope of scriptures and look at something not just in one slice of it, but we look at it from a larger perspective. Well, that's that. But there's something far more important, way more important that I want you to understand. It's number two in your outline. More knowledge is fine, but knowing without doing is not. I don't care how you get there. Expository, topical, verse by verse. I don't care if you know the Greek language, you can read the Bible and it's original. I, it doesn't matter. More knowledge is fine, but not if it doesn't affect the way we live. Listen again to what Jesus said in verse 49 of Luke 6. The one who hears my words and does not put them into practice. What did Jesus care about? Lifestyle, impact. That it gets embedded into our soul, not just here, but into our life, into our thinking, into our ways, into our mouth, and our words, our hands, our feet, where we go. Does not, listens, but does not put them into practices like a man who built a house on ground without a foundation. And when the storm came, it was ugly. He collapsed completely. Again, Jesus put the emphasis on action, not just on acquisition of more knowledge. He said, hear the word, yes, and then obey it. Hear and do. That's what matters. And that's why I'm convinced that the deepest and best teaching is that which deeply affects the way we think and the way we live. You want deep teaching? So do I. Absolutely do. And I hope we bring it here every week. In my opinion, we do. Because deep teaching challenges the way you think and the way you live. It leaves you with something that says, wow, what am I to do with this? And how can I use that knowledge, that information, that scripture, that word, those principles to better become more like Jesus. The truth is, a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us already know more than we do. You know, I have grown up in church and I can't, I have heard thousands of messages. Thousands! And so have a lot of you. And the truth is, I know more than I do. I'll own it. There's a part of me that still hasn't caught up my life I'm not putting into practice everything that I have learned. And we need to refocus our attention. We need to refocus our efforts into practicing what we've already learned. Because if we just focus on knowledge, that's not a, it's a, it could be a dangerous thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8 that knowledge tends to puff up with pride. When we make knowledge the focus and knowledge the goal, then we can get arrogant and prideful. He said in 1 Corinthians 13 that knowledge without love is nothing. And some would say, well, he's talking about the gift of knowledge there, because then context, that's what he means, the supernatural gift of knowledge. Okay, the supernatural gift of knowledge used without love is nothing. But even the natural gift of knowledge without love is still nothing. I'm not encouraging you to be dumb, by the way. 
I'm not asking you to check your brain at the door of faith. Knowledge can lead to greater faith and stronger practice. But whether it does or not, listen to me, guys. Whether it does or not has a lot to do with why we're seeking greater knowledge and what we do with it. What's the so what in this today? Why do I take the time? Why am I addressing this? Because I don't want you just to make knowledge and knowing more the goal in your life. But to understand this question, why am I seeking more knowledge? And is it so that I can become more like him? Are you seeking knowledge just for the sake of knowledge? Or are you seeking the one who wants to use that knowledge in your life to transform you into somebody that God wants you to be? Here's what Jesus said to the Pharisees about this in John 5, 39 and 40. And believe me, they were not happy when they heard these words. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. These guys were Bible scholars. They knew it. It was their life. He says, you search the scriptures. You, are, you have made that your goal. But here's what you've missed it. The scriptures point to me. It says, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. What's Jesus saying to these guys? He's saying biblical literacy without biblical living and life-changing relationship with me doesn't mean anything. Biblical knowledge, literacy, knowing a lot about the Bible without biblical living and without relationship with Jesus Christ means nothing. We cannot forget that it's all about relationship with him. The one who is, by the way, the word of life. And so I want you to wrestle with this question. If what you know does not affect what you do, then of what real value is it to you? If what you know doesn't affect the way you think and the way you live, then what value is it? Now listen, again, yes, be a student of the word. I said that some of us know more than we do. A lot of us don't know enough. A lot of us have not studied the word. A lot of us, you know, I mentioned the difference between digging potholes and deep wells. I had a guy about in Florida, I'm say, was it, 25, 30 years ago, uh, challenged me. He said, stop digging potholes in the word and start digging wells. Because I, you know, all my life, I, you know, remember little bread boxes, those little bread living word things? Some of you, yeah, never mind. But, but they always had this one little scripture verse on it. And that was my scripture reading. For a long time, especially junior high and high school, that was my scripture reading. That was the extent of my depth. I read a fortune cookie from the Bible that day. You know, I read this little scripture. Oh, good. Yeah. And, and he challenged me, just don't, don't, don't go there. Go deeper. And a, a lot of us in this room, we need to go deeper. You need to study the word. You need to know the word. There are way too many Christ followers who are not self-feeding disciples of Christ yet. And let me just put it to you clearly this way. Do you feel, again, a little challenged today? Sweet. If this is the only time that you ever think or hear or are challenged by spiritual thoughts, biblical thoughts, and it's only in a 30-minute message every Sunday, God help you. If you only ate one meal in a week, how long would you live? Some of us need to get in the Word. We need to go deeper. We need to study the Word. I've met atheists who know more about the Bible than some Christians, and that's not okay in my book. So please hear my heart on this. Study the Word. Know the Bible. Memorize the Scriptures. Yes, but don't make study and knowledge the end game. Don't make that the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is I want to become more like Him, more of the man or the woman God created me to be, more like who I already am and put my position in Him. I've got a friend who's one of the smartest guys I know. And he is uh, well-educated and quite the theologian. He really is. But tragically, his life is a mess. His family is a mess. Uh, he has, he's one of those guys that knows a lot more than he does. 
His wife is broken and a, a, a shattered woman. And in many ways, it's because of him and the way he's lived. He's got two sons who couldn't wait to leave home when they turned 18 because they honestly hated their dad. They couldn't wait to get away from him. And this guy thinks he knows so much, loves to argue the Bible, loves to get into it, and, and will pull out his Greek text, and will take you and, and places, and, and, and it's, it's focuses so much on the knowledge, and yet he hasn't put it into practice in his life. And about, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 years ago, this guy came to me and said, Pastor Kurt, I need a recommendation for a family devotion. I, need, I want to take my family through family devotions every day. I'm not opposed to the idea, but I knew this guy. And I, I, when he said that, I, my, I, my skin just crawled, and I wanted to smack him. I just wanted to hurt him because I thought, man, how here's, and what I, I said very gently, I, I didn't hurt him, but what I said very clearly and gently to him is, listen, here's an idea. Instead of taking your family through family devotions every day, why don't you learn to love them with devotion instead? Instead of trying to take your family through Bible study, impressing them with your knowledge and what you know and boring your, your family to death, why don't you practice what the Bible teaches? Ephesians chapter 5, for example, about loving your wife as Jesus loved the church. Well, um, he didn't like that, and I know that's challenging, but the truth is, and it's an old proverb, nobody cares about how much you know until they know how much you care, especially your spouse and your kids. <laughs> they don't care how much you know if they don't know how much you care. But it hasn't made a difference. I'll put it another way. Knowledge without obedience is worthless. It is. Knowledge without practice is of no value to you or to anyone else. Here's how James, the brother of Jesus, put it in James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James says, don't just listen in one ear and out the ear and think, well, because I've heard it, I've got it up here that I'm good to go. He says, you're deceiving yourselves. And James said the same thing that Jesus taught. Do what the Bible says. Practice what you know. And so let me finish where I began. Regardless of your particular preferences regarding how you like to be taught the Word of God. Expository, topical, whatever. A blend of all of the above. It doesn't matter to me. What does matter? Here's, here's what I want you to hear. It doesn't really matter what you know if what you know doesn't affect the way you live. And so do you know the Word? Know, know the Word. Know the Bible. Study it. But is it affecting you, deeply changing the way you think, the way you talk, the way you live, the way you function in this world? Know the word, but living the word is God's ultimate goal for you. That's his ultimate goal. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the word. I thank you that it is alive and that it is full of truth. I thank you, God, that the word is a light into our path. I know all those scriptures, God. I thank you that you have given us the guidebook for life, and it is, it is from your mouth, from your hand, from your heart to us. And yet, Lord, I know that it is far more than just knowledge that you want. It's far more than just memorizing scriptures or understanding concepts that you want in our lives. You want change. You want transformation. You want us to look like, sound like, and be like Jesus. And Father, when we make our pet peeves a point of contention and argument, where we get vile and ugly within the church, we speak evil of brothers and sisters and other churches because they do it differently than us. Forgive us, God. Help us to truly, Lord, practice humility, 
gentleness, kindness, mercy, grace. Help us to give away what's been given so freely to us, Lord, so that we really will be more like you. I'm going to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've not experienced firsthand that grace yet. And you've been searching. You've been maybe even studying truth and the word and, and other religions and studying Christianity. I commend your seeking. I am glad that you're searching. But maybe you're here today and you realize the one that I need is Jesus. The one I've been searching for is him. And that you realize it's not just about acquiring knowledge. So many other religions in our world focus on the acquisition of knowledge and, and gaining something at an intellectual level. And God, I, I, I pray that right now you'd show us that how false that is. And maybe you see that. Maybe you understand that right here in this moment. And you see it's about a relationship with a living God who loves you and wants to transform me from the inside out. If you're here today and you want to begin your life as a Christ follower, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer right now. And it could be your introduction, your beginning, your first step in a long journey, an eternal journey of faith with him. But make these words yours. If you want to become his child, a follower of Jesus today, make this prayer yours. Father, I need you. I see my sin and my brokenness. And I see you as my Savior. And I get it. That you're the one that I need. You're the one who came to die for me so that I could live for you. And so I give you my life. I give you my all. I surrender to you and embrace you. And thank you for your grace and your goodness and your mercy. And right here, right now, I take my first, first breath as a child of God. Right here, right now, I take my first steps as a, as a son or a daughter of the King the one who loves me so much he sent his, his son for me. Now that's you. And that's your heart. Just in your own say, yeah, God, that's my prayer. And the moment you do, you begin your life as his child. Lord, for those making that decision right now, show them it's the first step. God, for those that perhaps have been wandered away and they've been the prodigal son or daughter, but today they're, they're coming home, show them how excited you are. How You're like the, the father who embraced the prodigal son, Lord. You're excited that they've come home. And seal in their hearts, God, what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. I hope you understand that my point in all of this today was to focus our attention on living it out, walking it out, putting it into practice in our lives. And that we take some of the chips off our shoulders and the arguments that we tend to make and to set that aside and love like he loved. But we're also going to put into practice today another opportunity, and that's to practice faith, to practice trust, to practice hope, to practice obedience even as we give to the Lord. And I've asked you to give to this church to support what God's doing here and to give faithfully to Him. And that's why we pass these bags every week, to give you an opportunity to put into practice what the Bible teaches. And you say, well, I think God's good. That's all right. It makes a lot of sense. Well, here's an opportunity to practice what God has called you to. I also want to remind you, and Nate mentioned it earlier, that we have about 174, I think the bulletin says 64 is a typo, $174,000 away from being able to finish next door and to move, to get there. And so I'm asking you to give above and beyond. And what I've called you to do is $200 per adult, per person in our church. You know, so if you're a family and, you know, you've got three or four adults, that's, take that times 200. 
but I've asked you to give, and many of you have. I'm encouraged, Susanna, our business manager, said, man, there's a whole lot of $200 checks coming in. Some of you can give a lot more than that, and I need you to give a lot more than that to help those who can't and won't be able to do that. But we give, again, in obedience and faithfulness to extend the kingdom, and here's a way to practice what we preach. Let's give as we worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. Some of you were able to sing that today for the first time with truth. Jesus has set you free from your past, your sin, from that old person who started something new in you today. Tell somebody. Tell that person you came with. Tell the guy next to you. You'll make their day. Come tell me or the prayer team. We want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. There's a packet on the tables as you leave out the doors. This is for new Christians. Pick one of those up as well. It's got a Bible. It's material to get you started in your walk with Jesus. Prayer team would be down front. Commune on both sides of the room if you'd like to take that today. Go practice what you preach now. Go live in Jesus' name. God bless you guys.